Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is the first show of April 2017. We got a great one for everybody today, man. Chris Bailey. Oh, man. The devil himself. Infernal Majesty's lead vocalist. As I guess. Actually, this interview was uh, pre-recorded this week, and we're going to air it now. This month, there were a lot of pre-recorded interviews. I think we have one live guest to show, and the rest were pre-recorded because I didn't know what was going to go on with my surgery or anything. So we kind of tried to uh, make sure we had enough guests in line to fill up the month. Uh, I believe we have Bill Fisher from Mega Colossus tonight, too. I'm not sure. He didn't call in the last time he was supposed to be on, so I'm not really expecting much. We'll see what happens. But we got a great one tonight, like I said. We'll get on as much music as we can. Uh, we're going to do a lot less talking tonight because I'm still very hoarse uh, from the surgery, and uh, taking deep breaths kind of hurt right now. So uh, we'll stick to the music. But right there, Man of War with Metal Days. John, you were right. You used to blast that song out of the car radio. Driving up the 986 Street in Brooklyn back in the day. Great band. You know, Ross the Boss. I mean, I love Ross the Boss. He's a good friend of the show. He's on here all the time. Uh, he's out there right now with his, like, manual Ross the Boss band. Uh, Michael Pond is helping out on bass. I think he's got, he's got uh, Rhino on drums. And uh, Mike Lopez, I believe, is singing for the band. I mean, I really don't. I mean, really, Manowar does not tour a lot. Uh, and according to what they've said over the last year, I guess it's kind of, they're going to wrap it up this year, it looks like. They're not going to be touring at all. Uh, but when they do, it's a few shows here and there over in Europe. Not a lot. So I, I know there's like a desire for people to want to hear those songs played by somebody from the band. And Ross is that original guitar player that created that original sound and a lot of those songs. But there's three other guys playing in the band that aren't Man of War. And it's not the original. I mean, you know, you cannot touch Eric Adams, in my opinion, as far as vocals go. We goof on Joey DeMeo all the time. But Eric is, is one of the greatest vocalists in heavy metal. And to go out there and just see Ross playing guitar with three other guys doing Manowar songs, I don't really get it. I mean, I know he's doing better with this band than he's done with any other band that he's been in on his own. I mean, Death Deal is a pretty popular band. They're doing pretty well out there. But I mean, like the Ross to Boston put out two really good records. And I would have liked it if he would have stood with it. But I understand it's kind of tempting when you offer a little bit of money and to go out and play all over the place and you're going to take it. I, I do get that. But you still have Manowar out there playing Manowar. I mean, how many bands are we going to have where one member leaves and, you know, they form another version of the band? After all, it just gets a little tiresome, I have to say. All righty here. Let's jump into some music. How about Angel Dust, Legions of Destruction?
Nuclear Assault with Justice. What a great band. I know they were out there for a little while playing live, and I believe they were supposed to put out one more record, and then they were going to call it a day. But I don't know what happened. They don't really keep uh, people up to date on their Facebook page or anywhere else on the Internet, so I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. But our man about town, our man on the scene, was at the Saxon UFO show, and John will be calling in with the review a little later. We'll wait to see if our first guest calls in. If he does... We'll have John calling right after that and tell us all about the show at BB Kings in New York City uh, this past week over here. Right now, I just want to thank all the nurses at Staten Island University Hospital, everybody at work that took care of me this week, especially Caitlin, Amory, and Karen. They were great, and they treated me like gold those two days. And uh, they didn't realize I had a big uh, radio DJ in their uh, recovery room. <laughs> so I promise I played them a song. So girls, here you go. Twist the sister under the blade. You know you're not going home tonight Be it check or switch, doctors are mine The way to run every way you'll find You can't escape from the bed you made When your time has come, you'll accept Bomb! Of steel, a flash of light. 
you know you're not going home tonight. Big Jekyll switch doctor of the mind. There's no way to run everywhere you'll find. You can't escape from a bitter maze. But when your time has come, you like death.
Uh, there you go, Battle Axe from the U.S. with Down to the Wire. Uh, fear not, the album will be reissued real shortly, but we'll leave it up to the label to uh, announce that and give out the dates, times, and information. It's going to be a great package on that one. I've uh, already seen what it looks like, and it's going to be a phenomenal one. So if you're a fan, pick it up. Uh, I tell you, one thing I love about a lot of these labels that are reissuing these old albums, that they're getting a lot of these bands back together. That's sort of what the festivals used to do. You know, kind of try to reunite bands. Unfortunately, you know, most of them wanted to be just one member. <laughs> you know, it was hard to get more than one member for a lot of those bands when they were reunited. But it seems like a lot of these real underground bands uh, are starting to come back around, and that's pretty cool, I have to say. All right, let me see. I believe uh, Bill Fisher is going to be calling in in a few minutes. Let's get on one more tune between now and then, kill a couple, and uh, we'll talk to Bill. Let me see. How about we do a little uh, – I'm sorry, I'm very hoarse still. Uh, we'll do some Aaron's Rod, Never Cry Wolf.
All right, Adam's Rod with Never Cry Wolf. I believe we have Bill on the line. Let's connect him. Bill, this is Mike. How's it going, Spencer? Mike, how's it going, man? Good, how are you? Bill, I I hate to rush you, but we only got about 10 minutes today because I'm about to lose my voice, so I want to get all the important information out and uh, and get through this as as best we can. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you losing your voice for rock. You got to forgive me. It's it's, it's a bad day, but uh, hey. All is forgiven. Brand new record out last year. I mean, I guess technically it's the first under the Mega Colossus name, not just a Colossus name. It's the first under this name for sure, yeah. But we've been around for 11 years. We we were called Colossus for the entire time. And there's a lot of other bands called Colossus, quite honestly. It's a cool name, you know. So we we didn't want to give it up, but, you know, got to do what you got to do. Is there is there a problem with something like that? Or, I mean, was it was the Mega Raider just to differentiate yourself from the other classes, or were bands like coming back and you saying, "Oh, we had the name first? Because that happens so often. We fucking had the name first. Can I curse on this? Yeah, way? yeah, it's the internet. <laughs> it's the internet. Cool. Um, yeah, we we actually did have the name first, and uh, but you know, it's all about who picks up on stuff, and so you know. Essentially, it became, you know, the internet is a thing, and if people can't find you because there's a bunch of other people doing other stuff with your name, it's just kind of a no-brainer. you got to do something about it, so yeah, that's that's really where that came from. <laughs> so, I hear that. I mean, that's stupid, but it's a matter of practicality. We just had to. No, I, you know, you're 100% right. I mean, you know, there were times where I go to search for a band, and I'll get 50,000 bands with that name that's familiar to that. And But, you know, like, the group sort of came about, I want to say around the beginning of, like, the, you know, the social media craze when MySpace was kind of taken off, and then, you know, Facebook came around, and now you have all these other sites. Is it more of a help or a hindrance to a band, the internet? Quickly to get your music out, get your name out, but harder to be found these days? Man, it's a it's a double-edged sword for sure. It's easier to get your name out, but you really got to gotta jump through some hoops. So just going and playing shows isn't really – that would get you a lot before, but now you, you definitely have to do all the other stuff. So it's cool that it's, it's this thing that you can do – internationally because i mean it's worked for us we're going to to europe later in the year and it's that's all because of that sort of you know networking but at the same time um if we don't jump through the hoops if we don't do the the right things it's nothing we go play shows and nobody's going to be there so we you know we have to it, it it's difficult but it's awesome you know what i mean yeah. that's the best way i can describe it is that, that it's a it's a good thing if you really want to do stuff, it's not otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause when you think about it, you know, you go back to the early days of bands starting out, you know, late seventies, early eighties, when, you know, heavy metal was starting to rise, you know, it, it was localized. Bands would go out, post up flies on the telephone poles. People just automatically went to clubs back then because it was their night out. It wasn't necessary to see a particular band, unless it was like a name band brand coming through town, three or four bands played a night. People just went to hang out. It was like their place to be. It's a different environment in the club scene today. Uh, is it more difficult trying to get people to come out to the clubs? Because it feels like they're not welcomed anymore. I think, well, so everybody's welcome, but at the same time, it's difficult to get people out because there's there's definitely a thing that's happened. Like, you can YouTube anybody's show. And, yeah. And a lot of people, that is convenient. It, it's just like, it's, a, it's the same thing as like, 
like TV. You don't you don't have to tune into TV at a certain time to catch a show. You can just catch that show whenever the fuck you want. Yeah. And so so you can also you, you know if it's not a big deal that you get the full volume experience and the visceral experience of seeing a band, you really can just YouTube them and check them out, and it's fine. And I think that kills a little bit. I think there's a there's a this this gets into pretty big like how people are these days kind of thing you know it's uh yeah i think th- i think it's uh people do live their lives a little bit through the internet and less through real life now and so but you gotta so then you gotta play that game you know and so yes i still put up flyers every time we have a show in town i'm flyering and i'm just like every time i put a staple in a telephone pole i'm like this is bullshit nobody gets a shit <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, know at the, same I, time. the TV reference you made was was perfectly said to describe how things are today. But you know, you like you can watch a TV show any time of day, but you always watch it on a TV in your house. You know, going to a concert was an experience; it was an event. And I know, like it says, seeing it on YouTube kind of takes the mystique out of it for you. But that's not living the experience. Not seeing those guys live on stage, watching them perform, putting on that show, whether it's a small band in a club or a band in an arena. You know, there's something missing. You know, you don't want to watch a Broadway play on YouTube. You want to go to Broadway to hear those actors perform it live. There's something about Absolutely. it. Absolutely, that's a perfect like, analogy. That's perfect. You no, know, like, like I can't, I can't speak for every state in the union, but like here in New York, you'll have one or two dedicated rock clubs. That's all they have is rock and metal, which is great. But a lot of the other clubs will put a rock show on and say, "Well, the show starts at five o'clock. It's over by eight thirty because at nine o'clock we're turning into a disco." And people are like, "Get the fuck out of here! I'm not traveling two hours into the city." You know, at five o'clock in the afternoon to see a show and get out at eight o'clock at night. So that's a big turnoff for a lot of uh, fans, like here in New York. Yeah, man, it's 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 the that's the thing that I I think the the dangerous thing about all this, and I hate to use that term. That's that's ridiculous term to use. But the the shitty thing about it is that um, people might just not get people might might not get that that's the thing. There's a big difference in in seeing a recording of a show and seeing a show. Like that's huge. It's just, it's the coolest thing in the world to see a band play for real. But yeah. you know, you can also know what you're in for. So I mean, it's it's nice that people can get online and and see what they're in for and then go. But to watch it in lieu of going is ridiculous. You know, it's it's not the same thing. You need the volume. You need the you need the experience. You need the smell. It's, it's, it's awesome. You know, yeah, I agree. There's no substitute for that. Well, you know, talking about the name of the band, Mega Colossus, it's a big band, a big sound band, and a big band of members. Six guys in the band. Did you ever think about cutting one loose so you could have more money to share between the five of you? <laughs> really, right now, our lineup is, is five. Uh, okay. We, we keep two guitar players, but we generally – when when another guy so nobody's ever really quit this band people have just had to move away for practical reasons and so so anybody wants to play in this band and is willing to go through the shit to do it can still and so every now and then we'll have we'll have extra dudes but for the most part we're yeah. a five piece band <laughs> when you want when you, want, do, you know? when you want with three when you want like three guitar players in a six piece band who's the yana gears of the band Who's the other curse? That's awesome. 
That's a great. That's a great question. Um, so when, ooh, easy, Andy, uh, and Yannick Gers was his favorite maiden guitar player. So Andy Lewis used to play for us, and he was on the last record. He was on the Sepulchre of the Mirror Warlocks, and man, he does. He does. He like he is parallel to Yannick. It's awesome. He he bounds about. He's like a little elf. And we're like, oh, man, look at Andy go. It's just <laughs> the greatest thing. But, yes, definitely. And he loved – he always said, I think Yannick's my favorite guy. We're all like, ha, ha, because, you know, everybody's got the favorite guy. Mine, mine, of course, is Adrian Smith. But, yeah, um, you know, that's because Andy's crazy and I'm not. But <laughs> <laughs> I love Yannick Gertz. Yannick Gertz is amazing. And, and his his spirit is, is – Top notch, but and Andy's spirit was top notch. That was the perfect thing. I was just like, perfect. Of course, Andy loves Yannick Gers. He's yeah. like the he's he's the cheerleader for our band, you know. Yeah. And so, and yeah, I, I always thought he was our players. Andy is Yannick. <laughs> I, I you know I always thought he was a great guitar player. I love the stuff he did with Bruce Dickinson, like you know before he hooked up with Maiden full time. Uh, but ever since he's been with Maiden, to me, he's always been like the third wheel. That the kicking and the and the cartwheels and all that shit, it's just gotten to me. It's just an eye distraction when I see him live now. But he is a great guitar player. I he is a great guitar player, and he is a but he's a loose cannon too. And I think that uh, you know that's, I I don't think that falls right. He he takes a backseat because he's a loose cannon, and because I think I, and and this is all just me from an outside perspective being like I think Steve Harris probably is kind of a control freak. But, yeah, I think so. But maybe not. I don't know. He also seems like an awesome dude. Like he seems seems like a cool guy. Sometimes I feel like that's the guy that everybody who plays rock should emulate because you get shit done. And and I mean, Proof in the Pudding, dude. That's a good band. And they've oh, absolutely forever. And they make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're yeah, not we... dicks about it either. You know, that's amazing. Yeah, they're still very down to earth. You know, you know, when you think of when you you know, everybody knows like the Iron Maiden story, how they got started, what they went through to get you know, get to where they were. Is that opportunity still there today for bands? I think it's definitely different. Yes. I mean that opportunity is there. But as far as there's so many more bands and there's so much more the possibilities are, are more open, but then there's more people trying to, to do it. So so suddenly I think you just have to take a little smaller piece of the pie you know what yeah. i mean like if you if you actually you have to be a cool with that you have to be cool with the fact that there's you know when iron maiden did it it was they were the only band really doing exactly what they were doing there were a lot of bands doing similar things and and so they were the the one that did it in, in at least the most accessible way and i i think kind of the best way i mean i think they really did rule it and and so they were rewarded for that. But now there might be a hundred other bands doing the same kind of shit you're doing. And you know, you you have to be realistic yeah. <laughs> in that situation, you know. Sure. So, yeah. Well, how's North Carolina today for music? Is it pretty vibrant? Is there a lot going on? Enough to keep the band busy when you're not out or being able to hit the road? Oh man, we're we're ruling right now. There's like a resurgence going on. We've got Salvation and uh and Wilmington. Yeah. We got Children of the Reptile. I don't know if you if you have not checked out Children of the Reptile, they're one of my favorite bands in the area right now. And uh and Raleigh we've got Walpurgis. We're we're 
man, it's it's all it's all happening. You you've got it going on here, and and in other styles too. I mean, that's, our area is cool. I, I'm really happy to be here. I don't think I'd ever think of living anywhere else. To be honest. Yeah. Hey, that's great. I, I know you said you're going to Europe in the fall. Is it the band's first time heading over there? It is, yes. We've been working towards this for a little while. and We were going to go two or three years ago. We were. It was in the works, and it kind of just got shit-canned because I think somebody didn't. The guy who was setting it up just kind of just didn't do his stuff. So, you know, yeah. these things happen. But now this is, this is legit. We're confirmed on Harder Than Steel festival and three other shows and then uh six other shows are in the works and they i they're all looking pretty good so i think yeah essentially when you say you're going to go over there a lot of a lot of people are just like are you really coming and we're like yes we're really coming <laughs> that's been the the hold up on that stuff so we're we're yeah. over there for sure so that's going to be great work out nice yeah, I mean, the, the, the one thing about the internet is that, you know, it kind of allows you to find out, like, where your fan base is. You know, you'll get hits from certain areas of the, of the world, and it kind of – does that allow you to focus more on those areas, or, is it a, or do you make it where you say, you know what, we're, we're kind of weak maybe in this sector of the world. Let's kind of concentrate on building up our, our fan base over there. Does it allow you, like, to kind of strategize what you do, or do you just don't really give a shit? <laughs> like, you know, we're going to write music, whoever wants to buy, buys it. <laughs> Yeah, good point. I I think in the end, we generally, because we're the kind of dudes we are, we don't give a shit. We just kind of want to do our thing and see, you know, see who bites, I guess, you know, and uh, can do that. And we have considered recently, like, trying to focus on Germany a little more. We haven't figured out how to do it. It's we're not good with this sort of stuff. We really, you know, our, our, we only can make music and we, we just try to do our best with all the other stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, yes. I, I, that's true. People who know how to do it definitely can concentrate on market. And I think we're maybe going to work on that. I don't know. Uh, at the same time, I kind of just, I'm like, I don't want to abandon my own, my own area. I want to, yeah. I want to work here too. You know, I want to do everything. Thing everywhere, you know. But, but you know, I want to go to South America. I want to go to Asia. I want to do all kinds of stuff. But for now, hey. Germany's Biden. So it's, it's all, cool. all you gotta do is come to New York City. You can have all of that in, in a five block area. We were in New York uh, three months ago, and it was tough to get a show. You know, this fucker we, and so we we did kind of just try to just DIY get a show and we got a show in Manhattan at a place that, that did not it was just not cool um, yeah. but you know it's tough New York is a tough nut to crack man it's really tough to get a good show there it's hard um, but uh, try to St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn that's like the metal bar to go oh, to for every band that was the one we were going for and I've played there before in a different band and that's the place yeah, now they were just booked up that night. We we were oh, okay. coming through on a certain night, you know. You got to schedule, yeah. However, you can schedule, and uh, we actually did end up playing a last minute show in Brooklyn. I forget the name of the place, but it was really last minute. It was actually the guy from the Candy Snatchers um, hooked it up because he was friends with the band that we were touring with. So that was. Really uh, I'm trying to think. It might have yeah. been that place, the Asheron or the Paper Box. Wasn't Acheron? We've played Acheron a couple times, and Acheron—I'm sad to say—it 
that they closed. Yeah. I, I was so bummed yeah, closed. when I heard about it. You know, yeah, they played they Asheron opened, before it was legal. The Asheron, they opened up a club in a neighborhood that has no parking after 10 o'clock at night. So who the fuck is going to go yeah. to a show where you can't park your car in the neighborhood after 10 o'clock at night? I'll be honest, man. We we played a packed show at the Asheron before they were even a legal bar. People were smoking oh, weed yeah. in there, and they're like, just keep, they're like, <laughs> keep, the, keep the door closed because uh, we're not even supposed to be in here. And they were throwing yeah. liquor and everything. It was a working bar, and I was like, this is rad. This place is not even supposed to be here, but they're yeah. just doing it. Fuck it. That's awesome. That's yeah, it was a cool little joint. Yeah, it was a cool it little joint. Awesome. They closed. But there's a lot going on here. I mean, you gotta hook up with like one of the promoters here. There's like two or three main promoters in New York. And once you get in with those guys, they pretty much start getting you on all the shows that come into town, all the festivals. You know, there's a lot going on here. You, but you know, like I said, it's it's New York. It is New York, and I, right, exactly. Every time we go, we're like this. You know, we did play one really awesome show at the Union Pool one time. Um, that was that was our top New York show for sure. We played New York probably six times at least. Yeah. Um, the Union Pool was the shit. That was awesome. We played with a band called Clean Teeth. Um, yeah. That it was it was awesome. Yeah. Pat, That's great. Great. When it works, it works, man. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? I hear that. <laughs> Bill, I'm gonna cut you loose, man, because I'm about to lose my voice completely. But I tell you what, the new album out on Killer Metal Records, right? That's right. It just it's it's actually technically coming out April 28th. We actually already have it on vinyl, self-released here, and then uh, but Killer Metal has it as of April 28th, and then uh, you still get the vinyl and the CD. They're both going to be available. Vinyl and CD will be available until we run out of them. Um, and as far as the CDs just got pressed, so they're like. They're they're on the way. We don't even have them yet, but we're going to get them soon. And so anybody can order any of this stuff easily through our website, which is uh, meltedfaces.com. And uh, yeah, it's all it's all available. We'll get you. Uh, you go to meltedfaces.com. There's links to to everything that we sell, and that's easy enough to to navigate. So. Absolutely. Hey, Bill, the best of luck with the band, and I will definitely stop by to see you guys the next time you make your return to the New York City area, my friend. Dude, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, Thank you so I? much. And I apologize. I, I never got a chance to apologize to you. I, I fucked up the last time we were supposed to talk, and uh, and that was I. there was a great reason for it at the time, and I forgot what it was, and that's just me making excuses. But I really appreciate that's okay. you taking time. We talked a lot of shit about you that whole. Talk we talked a lot of shit about you that whole show. Don't worry about it. I hope you did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. No problem. We'll do this again real hey, soon. When I'm out. <laughs> Don't worry. Thanks for watching. Have man. a great night. I'll see you Take in New York. That'll be awesome. You got it. See you, man. Take care, Bill. All right, Bill Fisher from Mega Colossus. Uh, I guess I, I didn't have any time to prepare today's show because you know I was in the hospital most of the week. Uh, but we'll get on some music by the band next week. Right now, how about some, uh, you know what, I was going to play Night Demon, but we'll wait because Jarvis Leatherby is on the show next week. I'll tell you how metal I am. I interviewed Jarvis uh, from the recovery room a couple hours after my surgery. So uh, you want to talk about being in pain, getting through an interview. I was like, Jarvis, I'm going to let you go. He's like, no, man, I could talk forever. I was like, no, I really got to let you go. <laughs> I couldn't breathe anymore. And the nurses were getting really pissed off. But that's how fucking metal I am.
All right, we'll have that interview next week. And uh, we do have another live guest uh, coming on next week. I think we're supposed to have Jason McMaster. Uh, from uh, he's with the, he's in a, he's in a lot of bands, but Igniter is what he's promoting right now. But I don't know if he can make it or not. Uh, I haven't really been able to confirm anything, but I'll uh, I'll find out this week. I'll let you know. But we definitely got the interview with Jarvis on there. He tells a pretty funny story about the movie Rockstar, uh, so uh, it'll be a good interview. All right, how about we do some uh, kilowatts? No, no, we didn't we play that last week. Yeah, I think we did. And we'll skip that one over there. Let's do cracking the curse.
Liege Lord with Wielding an Iron Fist. I know the band has been working on new music for a new record for a very long time. Joe Como is fronting the band these days, like he did towards the latter end of the band's career. Uh, hopefully that'll happen really soon, because I'm dying to hear what these guys have come up with. Most looking forward to hearing the new Jack Pans, which should be out this year. That should be an amazing album. They've never really disappointed me as far as albums go, so I'm not expecting it this time around either. All right, uh, John will be calling in with his uh, Saxon UFO review any minute now. John, you can call in now if you want. Uh, we can't divulge John's last name, otherwise uh, he might be uh, persuaded at concerts to give better reviews. But John's always kind anyway, so we'll find out what happened at BB King's this week with Saxon and UFO in a minute. And then after that, we got John on the line right now, huh? You can't beat that kind of service. John, how are you, my friend? Mike, good evening. How are you feeling, brother? I am feeling great. A little hoarse from a tube being stuffed down my throat, but other than that, we're doing pretty good, buddy. So, I can't wait to go to the new show. beach with you this summer, huh? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I will be there with bells on. Excellent. Yeah, so uh, calling in, we got the Saxon played last Thursday. They played a few dates at BB King's in New York this week. And they were great. This is the first time I saw Saxon. And they played B.B. Kings, which is kind of a small venue. And the sound was fantastic. And uh, they actually opened. And I, when we went there, we thought they were headlining. So uh, UFO was the headliner and Saxon opened. So I don't know that, if you have any info on that. that. Well, Saxon were the headliners of the tour. I don't know. It was funny because I did see another friend who went to, you went to the second night of the two nights, uh, saying, you know, I'll be there like 8.30 tomorrow. So I was like, no, Saxon was on 8 o'clock when we got there. So I couldn't figure that out either, why the headlining act was on 8 o'clock. This seems to be a common thing now where headlining bands want to go on first because they're afraid people are going to leave if the shows go too late. The Rods are famous for doing that. So that's all I could think of. Well, I'm glad I got there early because, you know, sometimes you're just moving slow. And uh, yeah. we, we got there. I wasn't there that long. Me and my buddy, we, we drank one beer, and the lights dimmed, and then uh, Saxon came on. So they came on around 8.15, and it ended around 9.15, 9.20. And they played 14 tracks. They only played uh, one track off the new one, which was Battering Ram, which they opened with. Yeah. And they went right into uh, This Town Rocks. Uh, then they played uh, some newer stuff, Sacrifice. Then they went right into Power and the Glory, which is one of my favorite tracks. Eagle Has Landed, which was great. Uh, Dallas 1 p.m., Stand Up and Be Counted, wasn't in the set list. They After Dallas 1 p.m., Biff Bifford was like, what do you guys want to hear? And he gave the crowd like three song options, and they, they uh, cheered the loudest for that, so they played that song. And then they uh, played Motorcycle Man, so they gave the crowd one more option. Hey, what do you want to hear? So the crowd roared for Motorcycle Man, which was uh, pretty rocking live. And then they they played Crusader, and that was a good sing-along with the crowd. 20,000 Feet, Wheels of Steel, that went over real well. Good uh, guitar work on that, dual guitars on that. The sound was really good on that. And then they dipped into a, a, a real deep cut, Never Surrender, which they, they didn't play the night before. And they played the classic Denim and Leather. And then they closed out with Princess of the Night, which was great. But, you know, overall, I'd recommend them. It was uh, 
like I said, it was the first time I saw them live, and they were outstanding. I, I, I just wish they played for at least two hours. It would have been if they played for two hours, it would have been in like the top three shows that I've ever seen live. They they are a great live band. I mean, I've seen them probably a dozen times. I saw them the last two times they came through town at BB Kings. BB's does have a great sound system, a sound operator, or a sound man. It always sounds phenomenal, and they do play for over, well over two hours when they headline. Uh, I'm curious if if UFO played a longer set. If maybe this is the way they're doing it on the tour, of splitting it maybe an hour and 15 minutes each. I don't know, but the energy those guys have in their 60s is mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Biff, you know, he kept pogoing around on the stage, and he was, uh, you know, telling people on the floor close to the stage to jump up and down. But the crowd was, uh, the crowd was, you know how we say the crowd's always older, but this time around the crowd was really older. I mean, like even older than me, which was kind of funny. And uh, <laughs> I mean, there was some dude standing next to me, and I'm like, "Yeah, we saw Saxon back in '79." I was like, "All right," <laughs> and. Uh, so it was it, it, the crowd was pretty subdued for like the first couple of tracks and, and you know like there was some chorusy parts like during Battering Ram and This Town Rocks and he would like put the microphone out into the audience and you know no one was saying anything so in and around like I think right before Power and the Glory he was like oh let's hear some fucking noise and he kind of woke up the crowd a little bit and then uh, you know deeper into the set the the crowd kind of woke up and you know there was it was like a, you know, a traditional New York crowd, real loud, and it was and it was elbow to elbow. So I mean, it was, the place was packed, and you know, BB's is a pretty pretty small venue. Yeah, yeah, they they always play BB's when they come to town. I'm surprised because they do pack it in, and for two nights they packed it in. I think they'd be better off moving the Webster Hall next time into the bigger room because they can easily sell that room out. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, he did say, you know, stay tuned. He was kind of making fun of the internet and social media and, and, and camera phones, uh, you know, because he took out a camera phone. He was taking pictures of the audience, and he was just making <laughs> fun of people the whole night. And you know how, like, at, at BB's, like, how you can eat dinner, like, next to the he was making yeah. fun of some yeah. people actually sent you the video of some of that that snippet there where he's like, you can have your fucking steak and eggs too and like it. So, you know, <laughs> he, he, he was a real funny and real witty guy. And uh, like you said, you know, for guys their age, you know, they, they got plenty of energy and uh, and, the, and the sound was was awesome. I don't know if it's BB King's uh, acoustics or the sound man, but kudos to Saxon if they're listening. It was, it was an awesome show. Yeah, I have to be honest with you. That's one of the reasons I like to go to BB Kings because you can't get a table, sit down. I mean, you know, 35 years ago that wouldn't be the case with me, but these days I kind of like having a table and you know, a little plate of food. <laughs> I'm watching the show, so I'm yeah. I'm guilty of really just making fun of myself. Yeah, I hear you. So I, I wasn't really feeling too well. I was fighting the flu for the last week, and uh, so we didn't stick around for UFO, even though I wanted to see him. I, I just couldn't stand up anymore, so. We made the trek back to Jersey. I was I was in bed by 11 p.m. So if you see a show in New York at night and you're in bed by 11, that's pretty good, huh? Hell yeah, I gotta agree with you on that. All right, Johnny. You, you, you got you more much, you man. got more mental stamina than me. You can have surgery and then interview Jarvis <laughs> and then uh, I can't even stand up straight. All right, Mike. You got it, man. Thanks for the review, buddy. I'll talk to you real soon because I know you just said you love power and the glory. Let's get that on for you. Here you go. All right, man. Thanks. <clears throat>
Lordy Lidge. I have to watch what I play by these bands because most of the song titles are in French and I can't pronounce them. But that was the title track of the band, so that was an easy one. All right. Let's uh, get this interview with Chris Bailey from Infernal Majesty going. Sit back and relax. Hello? Michael? Yeah, hello, Michael. How How are you? you? Just fine, thanks. Just fine, thanks. Sorry about that. No problem. Just on the throne here. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that comes first. That's <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff. Yes, we're all ready to rock here, my friend. Uh, it's great to talk to you, Chris, man. I've been a fan of the band for such a long time, and it's been a long way since the last record, but I kind of life gets in the way these days, you know, as we get older, and but no God with some album. Oh, I'm glad we'll all be, we put a lot into it. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad to hear that. <laughs> oh, I'm glad, man. Like I said, it has been like 13 or 14 years since the, you know, the One of Punch of Death came out, and I'm, I'm sure a lot went on in between now and then. But the band still has that classic Infernal Majesty sound. It's definitely different than what you've done in the past, but you know it's, you know who it is. Yeah, we when we actually started writing the album, it was one of the things that was really on our conscience was that we wanted to bring in some of the elements from our roots into the new songs, but not have them sound dated, but still have that you know the, 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 uh, bring back a little thrash into the songs, bring back some satanic thrash metal into the songs, and um, have a little bit of a modern kind of feel. Um, so like, like I say, so the songs didn't sound dated, but it was really something that we thought about uh, because we felt those were things that were kind of missing from the last two albums. Were these songs being worked on from years ago? Most of them, were they all kind of relatively written, you know, before the album came out? Um, three of them were originally on the Demon God demo. Uh, we restructured them, worked them over a little bit. Uh, I think two of them we gave new songs. Uh, Burnt Beyond Recognition, for example, on the Demon God demo, uh, was reworked and is now Another Day in Hell. Um, so, yeah, those three songs and the other uh, eight songs uh, are all brand new original uh, material that we started uh, working. Great. Uh, uh, Kenny and Steve are still in the band. Three, you like going back to the original days of the group. You betcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Kenny uh, and Steve have been. Uh, Definitely soldiers in this journey over the years. We've had our ups and downs, but uh, we always seem to, one way or another, end up coming back together to put an album out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you've been in and out of the band about three three times at least that I know of <laughs> over, over the time. Yeah, yeah. Years, well, so. it's 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 not by choice, that's for sure. It was never <laughs> intended or expected, but. Um, uh, and it's one of the reasons that inspired me to write a book, uh, because, you know, as you can imagine, over 30 years, there's quite a bit of things to remember and a lot of twists and turns and uh, chains of events that happen. So I, it's really inspired me to start accumulating the material, to start putting a book together so that someday it'll come out and there'll be a, a perfect chronological order and explanations and the reasons why everything happened where they did up to the point where we're at. So yeah, it's 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 been a little crazy. <laughs> That's gonna make some story, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot to tell. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, that must be great. But like having the three of you together, stuff. I mean, it is the core of the band. So I think that's what kind of keeps the sound, you know, consistent over the years. Even when you were out of the band and Brian was singing, other people came in and out. It, it still has the three of you, which to me is Infernal Majesty. 
and and like you know, I I, I love Brian's vocals on the Demon God demo. I thought he did great, uh, did a great job. Um, like m- most people, I was you know expecting the the next the, the full length album to come out a short time later. You know, a demo comes out, you're sure another album's going to come out a full time, and then months turned into years, and then finally I phoned up Terror, and you know, we said, what the heck's going on here? And, explained how things had ground to a halt again. That's when we got talking. Well, let's do this again. Let's do it right this time. Let's learn from our mistakes. And, uh, yeah, so we just pushed forward, pushed on. Um, we've always, uh, e- even during the downtime, um, uh, after I left, after one of points of death, and up until the point when Brian started singing, uh, we were always still doing shows in the Vancouver area. So um, we, we, we were active in the scene and whatnot. But, um, yeah, after, after Brian left and, you know, momentum stopped again and me and Steve started talking and Kenny and uh, that's when we decided that we're really going to have to, you know, do this. We're going to do it right. We can't be continually putting out an album and then have a 10-year gap in between albums. And so we really had to identify a lot of things that were holding us back. Um, when, we're, when we started writing the album, we didn't have Kyle on board yet. So, um, oh, uh, Steve just happened to... I can't remember how Steve got a hold of Kyle, actually, but for whatever reason, Kyle said, hey, uh, send me up the songs, you know, I've been, uh, uh, he used to play bass for us years ago, and this is back before the Demon God, uh, or, uh, or back before One Who Points to Death, Kyle used to be our bass player, so when uh, we found out that uh, Steve had been talking to Kyle, and that he's now a drummer, uh, in part uh, learning his craft under the guidance of Gene Hoagland, we were just kind of blown away. We went, wow. So I said, yeah, let, let, let's hear what he can do with these songs. So when he started sending us uh, samples of you know what he'd like to do, and uh, we were sending him our examples of where we'd like to see the drums go, we were just totally on the same page. And uh, you know, Kyle, would you would you like to come back and be our full time drummer? And of course, he said, hell yeah. So uh, that's been one of our main problems over the years is having a steady drummer. Um, Chris DeBoer, one of points of death, he gave it his all. But again, you know, other things in life pop up and other responsibilities and priorities, and you got to, you know, take care of yourself ultimately in the end. So he had to part ways with us, and we knew he gave it his all, so we had no hard feelings. We're still buds. But uh, yeah, that's uh, it's 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 really been a drummer issue as is as, as, as you know one of the one of the things that does stick out over the years that has always held us. I think we were cursed right from the time Rick Nemes left the band after uh, None Shall Defy, because um, we've been basically trying to you know hang on to drummers ever since. <laughs> yeah. So I think we've got that achieved now, and uh, like I say, um, we're already working on the follow up to No God. We're not wasting any time. Oh, that's good to know. I mean, talk about the new record, No God. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're on the most wanted list of every Christian church in Canada, if not the world. I mean, there's absolutely <laughs> no love for God on this second. But that's been the theme since, I mean, really day one of the band. You've always focused on the dark, satanic side of, of life in the world and, you know, and religion in, in general itself. Is it more of a shock and awe value that you started out doing earlier? Or is it something that you truly believe in? And, you know, maybe not to the extent that you write the songs about, but... Just, you know, is it a personal belief or is it just like for that shock value to get people in, especially in the early days? It, it, well, especially in the early days, it was our personal belief. Yeah, we've, we've never been into this for any sort of shock value. Um, back in the early days, you know, growing up and having, you know, your, your, your first albums you're buying are Show No Mercy, Venom, Welcome to Hell. Um, Hellhammer. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so 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 on a young impressionable mind um that, that's a big influence so infernal majesty was my first band it was the reason i moved to toronto to you know find a band to get into so at a young age yeah you you know you do have your own personal beliefs that you're developing and stuff like that um over time though i'm a, i'm 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 an atheist now but to me the um um Satan is more of a historical exploration now. Of you know, I, my fascination is just just exactly the same, just not for the same reasons. Um, as I said before, you know, being influenced by the music and you know, reading the Satanic Bible, and it just to to me, you know, I've always gravitated toward the dark side of music. So it, it was it was just a natural progression there. But as you know, you get older and your philosophies change and whatnot. Um, I become an atheist, and but I find Satan just as fascinating, and would never not have an album that didn't involve Satan in some way or another. <laughs> um, yeah. But again, for me now, it, it's it's a historical exploration. I've been, you know, fascinated on the way that. How how the ideology of Satan, whether it's um, 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 people who 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 have the satanic lifestyle, study it as an ideology and a way of life, or those that believe that you know it's a supernatural being that's capable of um, um, creeping his way into your soul and manipulating your life, um, that's kind of where I really get worried about people's mental state. <laughs> yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying. And being like, like I said, being a teenager back in the early '80s and, and late '70s, and, and hearing Venom and Slayer and Hellhammer and that stuff, you know, it just blew your mind. Like when they were talking about yeah. the shit they were talking about, but you kind of knew as you got older that it was just, you know, they just wanted to shock you and, and, and get your attention. And you hear like Tom already say, you know, God doesn't hate us all. God loves everybody. You know, it was just thinking, you know, get on the people's skin and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah, but when I read some of the stuff like that you write these days, I don't take it as, as like you said, as, as shock value. I just take it as you expressing how you feel about these certain subjects and topics and that, you know, you can see that you believe in what you write. It, it is, and we try to write, you know, we like writing uh, songs about history and stuff like that, the dark side, but we also like the, the, the historical events that also have a message to go with it, um, at, at least especially more with, with no God here. Um, there's definitely a dark undertone, a dark anti-religious undertone, but it's got more to do with that, you know, in, 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 in some ways the album's a little political, in some ways there's a little bit of science, um, Satan's still always the underlying thread as as as, as the, the 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 reason for the darkness, but it, it's it's more of like you know we were looking around us and just seeing the nonstop death, destruction, the population of the planet spiraling out of control. It just seems like there's just no way, with all the grief and anguish going on, that any god of the Bible could be sitting here watching this. And not do something. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it would have to be the most evil God ever to sit back and not do something when you could. If someone was drowning, you'd just sit there and shore and watch. You know, that, that's the way I like it. So, you know, not just the, the, the actual evidence you can see all around you. Um, it, 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 there, there's just so many reasons why there is no God, literally. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so, so the, the, the concept has many layers to it. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we just think that we really need to get into reality, start, you know, start getting science as, you know, something that we're, we're, we're really pounding into, into our, our, our children's minds as they're being educated. And, you know, um, I, I think that religion 
is clouding people's ability to make rational decisions so that mankind can progress into the future in harmony with the planet as opposed yeah. to the, the, the bacteria in a Petri dish scenario that we're in now uh, growing exponentially waiting for the final hour. So this is really what no God, this is what really kind of started it. And um, this is, you know, the, the kind of rage that builds up inside us. And, you know, this kind of just irked its way out in the album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bit by I, bit. Being a fan of the band since the, the early demo days, I've never taken the band as a Satanist band, as a devil worshiping band. And you'll lump other bands into that category. I just was, it was to you guys were always a dark band, just about the dark realities of life. And when you hear you explain it the way you explain it now, people are like, Chris, that guy's the Antichrist, you know, Infernal Majesty, the devil <laughs> worshiper. That's not the case. If people seem to mistake that because of what you write about. But it's really just the dark side of the world. And like I said, you know, how could God watch over people? being killed and massacred. It's not a non-religious thing. It's just, to me, it's just the, the dark end of the world that you that you write about. You, you, well, you really hit the nail on the head, and that's exactly just it. And, you know, um, you, when you call yourself Infernal Majesty, you're not going <laughs> to be singing songs about happy days, you know? <laughs> yeah, so well, there's that, that too, that right? Thing. But you hit the nail on the head, really, yeah. Yeah, when I got that first demo tape, I wasn't expecting anything about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, <laughs> that just wasn't going to happen on no. that tape. <laughs> no, I have my days when I don't mind some of that kind of stuff either. You know, I have a vast taste in music, but no, that's that's usually not my subject. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think about, no. You know, like we were saying before, uh, being that there was such a, a big gap in between records, do you kind of feel like the band's starting over again because – even though he's got a 30-year career behind you, 30-plus years, when you think, well, actually, it's 30 years today, 87 this year, coming up. I need everyone yep. now. I don't even know where I am right now, but I mean, it's like 30 years <laughs> now. But you feel like you're kind of starting over again, but you do have the reputation of all those albums and years before it. It, it. it really is. We feel kind of like this is our fresh start. We feel kind of like a phoenix rising from the flames again, you know. Um, there's, there's, we have a lot of catching up to do. Let's put it that way. And, uh, now that we've got momentum, um, we've got some members that are, you know, totally committed. Uh, we really need to keep writing music. So that, that's really what we're focused on. Our basically highest priorities right now are touring, um, not booking our own shows anymore, but, you know, getting into the, the, the real swing of things here. And writing lots of music and putting out videos, and uh, that's basically what we're focused on right now. So, yeah, um, we, we we didn't intend to have gaps between albums. You know, after every album comes out, we're all on our high horse. But then, you know, drummers leave, um, family crises, yeah. financial problems. Um, everybody has to have a job to keep a roof over their head. All these kind of things. Um, so, you know, and, and then of course finding a new drummer for for no god for example um from from well going back i guess to to after the demon god demo up until no god um there's been five more drummers in the band before yeah. we got kyle and this is after chris so finding drummers that you know are, are committed or, or that are the right style have the right you know um have the right connection to the music that we're we're, we're writing um, can be very difficult. So, yeah, um, we 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 hope we got that nipped in the butt. But yeah, I tell you, we wish we had more albums out by now after 30 years. Um, but uh, we we don't really think about time. Like you know, it just doesn't really fit on us. We we live for the day, 
and uh, we are where we are now, and we're just looking forward. Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, pers- I mean, you, know, you, you go back to Nutshell Defy. Back then, you, you're posting flies or telephone posts trying to get people out to shows. You're mailing things out. It's the Internet world right now, and it does help out a lot, but it doesn't also dance everything. I mean, how do you feel about the world we live in today musically compared to the way it was when the band first started out? I mean, I think it's better for bands to a point today where you have more control over everything you do and your music, but you don't have maybe the reach that you did back then. And we had nothing to really do back then. There was no internet or anything to even help us out back then. Yeah, it's really, really different. There's no doubt about that. You know, you were getting letters in the mail to find out anything. You know, we got a letter in the mail from Poland or something like that from a great fan that, you know, just thought the album was great or something. But, you know, other you don't have the same barometers that you do today to find out what's going on. Um, and when the One Who Points to Death album came out, you know, we had social media going, but not to the degree that it's running now. Um, there's, there's just not the same kind of reach and connection. Now, there's some things I miss about those early days, the simplicity of it um, in, in some ways. Um, but again, today, there's just so many great bands, so many amazing musicians, so much opportunity for creativity, um, I, I, I personally think that it's never been a, you know, I, I, as far as the classics go, when, like, when you look at, you know, the classics that came out back then, you can, you know, that, that, that will always be a monumental part of history. Um, but as we, you know, as the genre moves forward, um, I honestly think that times have never been better for, 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 for music, especially for heavy music. Um, yeah. just the reach that it's getting, the, the amount of fans that are coming on board and just discovering this music for the first time. Um, it just, again, it just keeps, like, 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 like we're talking about bacteria growing exponentially. Well, I think the amount of people being um, enlightened and, 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 and turned on to, to, to these heavier genres of music, whether it's death or grunge or grind or thrash or black, there's just, you know, so many more people waking up every day and discovering it. So I, I think times have never been better, but I really do miss the early days and, and the simplicity of those early days. And the, well, what was nice back then was everything, an album, every time a band put an album out, it was something new. Like when you just look at like Venom from Welcome to Hell, Black Metal, like, you, you, you know what I mean? There was just something new pushing the boundaries with every album. Show No Mercy comes out and then High in the Chapel comes out and they just keep taking it to the next level, creating, you know, while the genre was in its infancy being created. Um, so that aspect, I don't have that same, you know, surprise factor yeah. when I hear something new like I used to. But I'm still devastatedly amazed when I hear what's coming out of so many great bands, from an L Anthrax uh, to uh, you know Behemoth to to even the new Creator. So it's it's I, I just think it's never been a better time than now to be involved in the music. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I I, I do miss those days for the reasons that you said. You kind of didn't know what was coming today with the internet. You know about every song on an album before the band even puts it out as a recording. That's you, right. you know when that, you used to wait for that band to come to town, you had no idea what they were going to look like on stage, what they were going to do. Today it's like that that mystique is kind of gone, and I get that. But do you ever feel the time of? Uh, you know, those heydays of metal in the late 80s where originality kind of just died and it took the scene down with it, more so than just like that grunge era? Yeah, it it, it was a real, you know, I, 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 and I remember those times so well. 
Um, it's like anything. There's never just one reason. There's an accumulation of little things and, you know, things that happen that, you know. But, yeah, it was a really kind of – it was like it wasn't a death spiral. Um, now, I don't know if, you know, you factor all kinds of things in, like, you know, the state of the economy at the time, um, trends in social media um, at the time, um, or, well, trends in society, I should say, at the time. Um, things like that, and yeah, it seemed like original originality had definitely died. Um, like the, the music was trying to. Well, to to me, honestly, what I think what happened was there was the commercialization of the music started to happen, and I think that when other people that have not a clue what they're talking about start coming in and trying to tell metal bands what they think they need to do to make their albums more accessible to more people, yeah. Then you know what I mean. So I think you had a lot of originality going on in the beginning. Then you had people saying that, "Hey, there's some money here. Let's get our producers involved with these guys to kind of." And in some circumstance, it's going to work. But I think in a lot of circumstances, a lot of people started putting out songs that the band on their own would have never have put out. And again, like you say, the originality starts to die. People are confused. People are bewildered. Um, but somehow we shook it off. And like I say, I, th- I think that we're marching ahead. Bigger, better, badder, and stronger than ever. Um, now, you know some of the some some of the greats are gonna are, are gonna retire and move to the wayside, and some some new bands are gonna rise to the to the top um, to the cream of the top. But um, it's it's just one of those genres. It's just one of those. It, to me, it's the only form of music that takes drums, takes guitar, and takes vocals, and keeps pushing it to new extremes. Like, how far can we really go? When will this, you know what I mean? When will yeah. this end? I, I don't see an ending, but I see a a, a, a big challenge for the future. <laughs> I tell you that. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you on that. You know, Chris, I, I think back of Canada and so many great bands came out of there, whether they were on the, the harder rock side like Triumph and Rush to Exciter and Anvil and you guys. But being such a big place, was it hard to really make your bones in that country? I mean, there were pockets and regions where a lot of bands came from at a time, but the rest of it was kind of like a barren wasteland. And in between, was it difficult trying to get around and really just make your bones back then when you had to travel the, the plane and get the name of the band out there? It, 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 Canada is huge. It, it is. Um, you spend a lot of hours traveling before you see anything to get to the next place and stuff like that. Um, it was, especially back then, um, the center of the universe really was Toronto back then. Um, of course, you know, you have Montreal and you have Vancouver, uh, all important hubs back then too, but Toronto really was the center of the universe back then. Um, I, 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 you know, it, 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 it. I think really what more than anything, not so much you know the vastness of North America and whatnot. For us personally, I think what really happened was was when, and these are things that we've come to find out years later. Um, what we found out is after Rick Nemes left the band, it came to our attention that he had also been talking to Roadrunner, explaining to them about, you know, and this is what I'd like to talk to Rick about to get his side of the story, but we haven't been able to find Rick in years, so maybe yeah. he'll hear this interview and get a hold of us. Um, Cancelling our first uh, European tourists, like we were supposed to be uh, over there playing at a festival of Pestilence and Death Angel. It's like, why would he do this? We, we, these are things we found out years later after the fact from real credible sources. Um, so, you know, we don't understand that, that really, 
you know, you can imagine being Roadrunner Records, for example, and being told by 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 the band that, hey, uh, we're not going to be touring on this album. We're going to uh, write another album, and uh, you're just going to have to like it. See, well, what the heck's going on here? So these are things I like to find out. Rick Demis' side of the story to see if this is really what went down. It, I still don't know why him and Psycho just mysteriously just left the band, and I've never talked to them since. So um, uh, I, I'd like to get this information and see if, for our personal story, um, if we can get some, you know, some, just for historical context. Like I say, I'm not worried about the sure. past now, we're moving forward. But at the same time, I would like to know what the hell went down, because it really set us back. It was really difficult to pick up the pieces after uh, Rick and uh, Psycho left the band. And, you know, we, we, we fully intended, like everybody, like, you know, we're going to put an album out, we're going to go tour the world, and everything's going to be great. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that that's for 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 our personal story, anyways. That's that's where it kind of, you know, got got we hit the we hit the we hit the dam we hit the road we hit the logs in the road. Um, if 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 things could have really been different, if we just had a kept momentum, if Rick and Psycho hadn't left the band, and we had a, went over, um, did our European tour and festivals and stuff like that. Um, I really think uh, we'd probably maybe be talking about Infernal Majesty with 10 or 12 albums under its belt by now. Yeah. Uh, like you say, you know what? Could have, should have, would have, but you hear yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Eh? No yeah. God is out. April 14th yep. on High Roller. Chris, I'm not going to keep you, man. I appreciate you talking to me today. Uh, this album just kills it, man. And I'm hoping that you guys can get out on the road this year and uh, you know, kind of come down to the States and uh, work your way to the East Coast. It would be great to see you guys live. Well, we really appreciate this. I tell you, we really appreciate this. It was great talking to you, too, by the way. Just had a really good time here. Um, one of our big things that we really want to do, because we've only ever played Detroit. So if we can get down or, you know, get on something good here uh, that we can get a coast-to-coast tour in America, it's 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 really something that we're really looking forward to doing. Uh, we played at Blondie's, I think, in 1988 or 1987 in Detroit, and that's the last time we've been to the States. Well, I mean, it's a good thing that was the last time you went to Detroit because people in Detroit don't want to be in Detroit. So that was good. <laughs> but we got to get you there, there brother. Yeah, I hear you there. <laughs> we oh, got to get you to New York. That's just great. That's just great. Uh, okay, well, uh, shit, man. I tell you, you've got my number. If you want to ever call to say hi, brother, just give me a shout anytime, man. I will do that, Chris. Let me say, go back to the bathroom. Go enjoy yourself. It's the best part of the day. I will, I will. <laughs> I got some more thinking to do. <laughs> I thought you later, buddy. Take care. You bet. Take care, eh? Bye now. Thank you.
Hola 
Venom giving us some Cry Wolf, and right before that, brand new Infernal Majesty and God You Trust. I want to thank all of our guests tonight, Bill Fisher from Mega Colossus and Chris Bailey from Infernal Majesty. Thank you guys, and thank you guys for listening and being a part of the show every week. I do appreciate that. I'm sorry we're a little short hit tonight. I didn't do a lot of talking. I wasn't 100% up to doing it, but you know what? We powered on and we made it through the two-hour show tonight. We'll be back next week with Jarvis Leatherby. I will see from just Night Demon, but it seems like it's also Jaguar these days. And uh, now he's playing bass for Sirith Ungoloso. So I will talk to him about that. And I do believe it's either Jason McMaster or Stuart Lawrence from uh, Igniter will be on next week. I'm not sure which one of the guys from the band is doing the interview yet. I'll find out later on. Don't forget to tune in. All right, let's wrap it up tonight with some Tyrant Rain with Deadly Eyes. Take care, everybody. We'll be back to 100% next Sunday. See you then.
Daddy, where do babies come from? Uh, well, uh, honey. Mommy went to the store. Oh, well, you see, um, well, there's a mommy and a daddy, right? Right. And see, when they call Geico, uh, they could save a bunch of money on car insurance. Oh, really? And that makes them happy? Yes, that makes them very happy. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could have this talk, Sunshine. <laughs> Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.